This is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com And welcome. Today I am delighted to have Karan Bajaj. He is a best-selling Indian novelist with more than 200,000 copies of his novels in print. Uh, His first worldwide novel, The Yoga of Max Discontent, uh, will be published by Random House uh, coming May 3rd. The Telegraph has called this book the Siharda of our generation. And uh, Kara has worked in senior executive roles at companies like Procter & Gamble, the Boston Consulting Group, and was named among Ad Age Top 40 under 40 executives in the U.S. Gadan, welcome. Thank you, Callan. It's a pleasure. Great. So... Um, I'm quite sure a lot of people, you know, when they talk about who they are, it can definitely be a book in itself. But how would you define yourself uh, uh, as far as kind of your journey? You know, how, how, you, how did you le- led up to where you were discovering sabbaticals? Um, if, if, you, if you could quantify that in about one minute. The best bio would be, Kalin, that I'm on a uh, 414 model right now in which mm-hmm. I work very, very hard for four years mm-hmm. and then take a year off and then work very hard again for four years. And mm-hmm. in that year off, I'm constantly learning new skills and finding things about myself that I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, I like the one sentence bio is that I'm a constant learner who set up his life to learn constantly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and let's talk about that as far as yeah. your because you know a, a lot of times people's childhood plays a, a dominant factor on the person that they become now you know perhaps talk about your childhood what were your parents like were your parents very you know uh, kind of uh, of conventional minded and you must go to school you must get a degree you must take your you must take your career seriously uh you know there's there's no time for play all work you see in a lot of immigrant cultures, like Asian cultures, sometimes Indian cultures, sometimes uh, Latin cultures, um, those, that type of mindset is really embedded uh, into the child. Was that your experience? Yes, absolutely. It was uh, very, very uh, controlled and tight-knit. Mm-hmm. And, but, but the thing is that you don't resist it because it's an economic necessity. So when I grew up in India, there was no way to make a living after you completed college mm-hmm. uh, unless you had an engineering degree or mm-hmm. you were a doctor. Mm-hmm. Those were the only two paths. So if you, if you didn't have any inclination to become a doctor, you became an engineer. And you, all your life, you were geared to becoming an engineer. Whether you wanted it or you didn't want it, that was the only way to you know, fill your stomach, if you will, like to have any kind of like money or job. You mm-hmm. had to have a professional degree. So that's why the whole uh, environment was very high pressure and goal oriented but it was also completely driven by economic necessity and nothing else you know right these things you talk about sabbaticals i think it actually encouraged a lot of companies now to be more open to it because traditionally it was always uh you, you well, and, and still this is still the case 
in, in a lot of corporations, you go, you, you go to work, you put in your nine to five, you have your lunch break. And then from there, you pretty much you go home and you have your own family life. And there's 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 not a lot of a strong company culture. Now, that's changing. Companies are trying to uh, implement new new measures to to create a better company culture. But that is still um, prevalent. And um, so, 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 so let's let's kind of let's kind of get right and go right into it. Uh, one thing people are you know unfortunately facing got on is that the, the new american uh work week is 47 hours as opposed to 40 hours it used to be 40 hours now it's 47 hours according to a, a gallup research study so now americans there have to work more to maintain uh, the same standard of living, which is which is unfortunate. Uh, inflation rises, wages stagnate, and which prompts people to work more. So really, people are becoming more stressed, they become more frustrated, and oftentimes, if they're working at a company that they hate, uh, you know, they, they you know t- they take that stress. Sometimes they take it home, and you know that maybe the spouse lash out on their husband or their wife about because because of the problems they're facing at work, and. And a lot of times people, they don't really get that break. You know, typically, it's typically people may get a, a one or two week vacation, but that's not really a break. We, when you look at that, Americans still have to work 50 weeks. And if they have a two week vacation, 50 against two, that's still not a lot. So something like a sabbatical is that, you know, what, what you know, I, I believe is actually becoming more in- interesting among people. How did you fi- how how did you find that you know what was your inspiration that led you to look more, get get more interested in sabbaticals and eventually take it a few yourself? Yeah, so uh, what got me? I think what you have to do with this kind of a thing is that it's not easy for anyone, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, to go and suddenly take a year off. So I think mm-hmm. the like I didn't start with let me take a year off. It started with starting to build the muscle by by doing. By having deeper, more meaningful vacations. Mm -hmm. So I think what happens with people, uh, at least what I've seen in the US, is that they work very hard and then they take 10 days off. And in those 10 days, they go and live the same uh, consumption-oriented life. You know, they Mm -hmm. go to a beach resort or save the money to go to some other place, which is, again, very driven by consumption. So what I started to do was that I started to take these 10-day vacations to be very deep and experiential and almost a vacation from my mind and not from a vacation from the physical environment Mm -hmm. and very inexpensive. So the 10 days I would recommend people to do is there is a silent Vipassana meditation retreat and that Vipassana meditation retreat is all over the US. It's 10 days of complete silence in which you meditate all day and it's completely paid for. So -hmm. you don't have to pay for anything at all, not for living, not for accommodation, not for food, nothing at all. Everything is paid for by donations. Mm But after those 10 days, you emerge a very different person. You've, uh, you emerge someone who's gotten its first exposure to meditation. You emerge much more calmer, relaxed, much more uh, uh, like you know productive and receptive to life uh, in a different way. So, for instance, that's a 10-day vacation. Yeah. Thing, uh, yeah. Ahead, I, actually, I actually looked into that, and I found that very interesting. It's, very, it's 10 days of isolation where you come in. Uh, I, I, I've read some reviews from other people where you come in. Uh, you have to give them all your electronics, basically everything. And essentially, when you, uh, you know, once you, you know, once you start, um, it's basically it's just you in a room for pretty much I think it's like ten hours a day. Maybe you watch maybe an hour or so of lesson, and people may have an hour of uh, of meal time. But uh, besides eating and besides you know watching the lesson based on what they're doing, uh, basically it's like ten or eleven hours of just meditating. Is that correct? 
Exactly, exactly. So they wake you up at four o'clock in the morning and essentially from four o'clock in the morning till 10 the night, which is 18 hours in the middle, you have a few breaks for breakfast and lunch. There's only two meals a day. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of a break after lunch for one hour to rest. But other than that, for the remaining 14 hours or so, you're just really meditating and mm-hmm. uh, and just constantly you under guided. It's a guided meditation. So it's not like, you know, do whatever you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other good part of all of that is that it's it's paid for by the people before you. Now, why that's important is because um, since it's run only on donations, you come to the course with the 10 day course with like a like almost like a beggar, you know, you're a monk uh-huh. who's just coming there because and you have no right at all to ask for things. You have no right to complain that this is too hard because right. you are just being given an offering by someone. Versus right. if you paid and you entered a hotel, you are complaining all the time that I want this, I want that. The sheets are not clean. This is not clean. I do, like you know you want a, exactly. You have but you, yeah. You have more demands. More demands, yeah. and here you come yeah. completely demandless, and you come with like your begging bowl. You want to learn, and I think that loosens you up a little bit to really become flexible to learn something. You know, that's uh, a that's a, that's a great point, Karan. And um, but let's go into it. Uh, people will say, well, Karan. It sounds great, 10 days meditating, detoxing from all of the electronics and everything. But the question they may have is, well, what if my boss or what if my employer is not going to let me take a sabbatical? What would you say to that? Um, I, like, I've worked in three companies now. And in all three companies, I've been able to ask for a sabbatical and get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my feeling is that if you're a person, there the, the two two points. One is uh, if you're a person who knows that who's that you're about to do these things, you become even more vigilant at your work, mm-hmm. right? For instance, I know that with the four years I'm working, after the four years I'm going to ask for a year off. Mm-hmm. So in those four years, I need to be better than anybody at my work because that's the only way that I'll get these exceptions from the norm. Good point. And I think that kind of forces you to be extremely vigilant. And similarly, if you want to take a 10-day completely detoxification, which you're not checking email, doing nothing for work, mm-hmm. you have to be so good in the three, four months that you've been working before that, mm-hmm. that people want to give do things like that for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one. Uh, the second thing I've seen is that people don't ask. Mm-hmm. So so like people are like either afraid or they're not, they don't have the imagination to be uh, like, uh, like, so they don't ask. So uh, like what I've seen people respect in corporate America is that if people are very goal directed that I have these 10 days that I want to go build a church in Guatemala or mm-hmm. like, you know, do a, like very, very goal driven versus being like, I want 10 days off to go to a, to take a vacation. Then people might say no. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you have a very tangible goal, then I've seen that your boss will say yes. Mm. Okay. Very, okay. Very good. I just want to take a moment to tell you about DreamHost. DreamHost.com is the award winning web hosting service rated by PC Magazine. With their current rates and positive reviews, I couldn't think of a better company to recommend. You can get $10 off a one-year hosting plan or $25 off a two-year hosting plan when you use the promo code Kallen, K-A-L-L-E-N. DreamHost.com, PC's magazine, best web hosting service. And and we're talking about um, the the ten day Vipassana silent meditation retreat and uh, 
looks like an excellent. I, I've never tried it, but I looked into it. Looks like an excellent way to to get away and uh, use that as a period for self reflection and for a personal uh, transformation. Before we talk about maybe some other types of retreats or some other maybe uh, resources that you can provide, why don't you share your own experience, Karan, of how that ten day vipassana uh, meditation has been for you? I, I mean, how many times have you done it? Has it been one time, two times for you? About four times now. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm quite sure you could provide a, a, a very full and rich experience. Talk about you, maybe talk about what it was like your first time going in and maybe get, to give the listeners some contrast. Yeah. So to start with, let's define kind of meditation because there are too many different uh, like definitions uh, mm -hmm. in, in kind of our Eastern thought where I come from, like in, uh, like in Buddhism and in yoga, sutras and all that stuff. We define meditation as... In Sanskrit, the word is called Chitta Vritti Nirodha, which means stopping the, the fluctuating thought waves of the mind. Mm. So, so what happens is that I, our mind is a battlefield. Mm -hmm. There is always a constant stream of I want this, I want that, I don't want this, I don't want that, I like this, I dislike that. You're constantly wanting, not wanting, wanting, not wanting. You're, there's always a desire and there is an aversion that's constantly happening. Mm -hmm. So what meditation is really is an act of like, completely stopping that fluctuation of thoughts from happening. So you can just imagine how, if you're able to do that, how productive and how single-minded and how transformed your life would be if mm -hmm. you didn't have that constant commentary going on in your mind, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the foundation or the definition of meditation. And the best way to start meditating is to start with a concentration-based approach in which you concentrate on a external point like your breath or a mantra or an image and completely put all your energy for the 20 or 30 minutes a day that you meditate into concentrating on that single point. And my first experience with meditation was to start having my own practice on my bed, nothing more, for 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the night. I would just sit with my uh, back erect because that's an important posture in meditation in order to be attentive. Mm -hmm. And I would just concentrate on my breath. I would keep my eyes closed and mm -hmm. just notice uh, my breath coming in and out of my nose. That's it. For 30 minutes, I would do that. And I started to build this muscle of being very present in one moment, in one singular thought. And, and I think that kind of had a transformative effect on many parts of life. And I was writing my novel, for instance, I would write, uh, without, you know, checking Facebook and Quora in the middle of writing and like doing like, you know, 10,000 other distracting things. Mm -hmm. So, right. Yeah. Uh, but, but so you would say that this, the, uh, this retreat was very instrumental and probably even inspiring you to become an author. Yes, absolutely. I didn't even know that I could write, right? As you said, when you grow up in India, you're trained to become an engineer, you become an engineer, you mm -hmm. go to business school, you start working in a job. Mm -hmm. You don't even know that these dimensions exist within you. So I think where meditation helps you a lot is that it it stops that constant uh, like you know turbulence in thoughts mm -hmm. and and helps you just discover deeper dimensions of yourself that you didn't know existed. You are a much more multi-dimensional person than you think you are, mm -hmm. and I think what happens is that if you are in a particular pattern, it's very hard to break the pattern until you do things to break the pattern, and meditation is one of them. So I think going for a ten-day serenity to just start discovering things and tendencies in yourself that you didn't know existed because your mind is more silent and more open. Great. 
Yeah. We're talking with Garan Baraj. Garan is the New York number one best-selling Indian novelist with 200,000 plus copies of his novels in print, which both have been optioned to major films. Uh, we, we were talking about the importance of sabbaticals and how they can be a great transition point in allowing us to take ourselves to the next level, to allow us to give, a, give us a better under, uh, discovery of our pathways in life. And uh, Garan Baraj has uh, talked about uh, his first time at the Vispana uh, Silent Meditation Retreat. He actually done it four times, uh, and it's been very uh, powerful and instrumental. Now, what would you say, Garan, what would you say to people who says, well, you know, 10 days, especially if someone hasn't meditated or, 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 they don't, or they're not a, a typical person does a lot of meditation, is, is there any other uh, sabbatical ideas that you have that could be obviously either free or very little cost, but that yeah. is not as intensive as the Vipassana? Yeah, I, I think the Vipassana is the best because in a way, in order to to build a new habit pattern, it is very important to spend, like, you know, people say 21 days, right? That's the rule mm-hmm. to form a habit. Right. Now, 10 days is almost an abbreviated version of that because what I've seen is that if you don't do that, then you drop off your practice very quickly. Mm-hmm. But having said that, if somebody is really time constrained, um, you can definitely visit an ashram in your near- neighborhood. Uh, there's always going to be some ashram in the upstate part of where you're living, which would have a weekend retreat of some kind. So it, it's ca- it's called an ashram? Ashram. A-S-H-R-A-M. Ashram. Okay, okay. And there are many ashrams and they all, like if you live in New York, for instance, the closest one residential one would be about 45 minutes away mm-hmm. uh, up in New Jersey and it's like they're typically in very uh, beautiful locations in mm-hmm. the in the woods in nature because nature is obviously a very soothing place mm-hmm. and they're typically very inexpensive like they don't cost much at all they're not free but they t- they're very cheap mm-hmm. and then in those two three days you get a little bit of an immersion into a different life altogether so I highly recommend people doing that great great now yeah. um and also too, I think having you, I think having you on is, is great because you can speak to as far as your success as a fiction author. I'm a nonfiction author, and a lot of people sometimes they want to go into fiction. As far as when it comes to that, that's not something I know a whole lot about. But when someone sees when someone sees a person like yourself with 200,000 copies of his print and book, you have two books already. You have a third book coming. Uh, the Daily Telegraph said you're the heart of our generation, uh, very inspired by your story and, 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 and it's those experiences which prompt you to have become a successful author. What would be some advice that you would give to uh, fiction authors? Because we look at fiction authors, uh, typically uh, their chances are even less than nonfiction authors. You know, with the self-publishing space, it's more easier than ever to write a book. But at the same time, that's created a lot of competition. And people look up to people like Stephen King, uh, uh, J.K. Rowling with the Harry Potter series, all these, uh, Amanda Hawking, all these different kind of fiction authors who they kind of they kind of strike it big and someone like yourself with over two hundred thousand copies of print, maybe maybe, maybe you can give some advice to uh, the aspiring uh, a person who wants to be a fiction author. What would you say to them? Uh, two pieces of advice: one a writing advice and one a life advice. In case that helps, mm-hmm. uh, from a writing advice perspective, all the all the usual stuff about writing is true, whether it's fiction or nonfiction that you have to just come up and show, right? Just show up and do it. Mm-hmm. But my uh, my broader advice is that I've seen debut novels that break out are able to crack a combination of entertainment and meaning. Mm-hmm. 
like if you have just an entertainment so if you are writing one more story about a detective and a serial killer it's very hard to get published when you have James Patterson and Michael Conley and all those guys mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. on the other hand if you have if you're writing a novel which is very meaning only then it appears like a phd thesis right so people would rather publish a non fiction book rather than uh, so you have to crack the combination of entertainment and meaning there should be a powerful like a thought in it which should be enveloped in a very good story so if i think of the yoga of max's discontent my new novel uh, which comes out on may 3rd for instance uh, there is a very powerful meaning in it about spiritual transformation mm-hmm. but it comes in a very page turning envelope it's about a guy who goes off on a a very surreal adventurous journey through india through night markets and hidden caves and ashrams and all that stuff so it's a very page turning adventure mm-hmm. right so if you're able to combine that page turning adventure with some deep meaning then you have a chance to break out yeah so i think that's my writing advice and then if i were to give some life advice it is to treat your life as a story so if you think of a, a good story every good story has a protagonist mm-hmm. striving for a very big unattainable goal mm-hmm. and is always facing conflict and failure in order to get to that goal mm-hmm. and whether he in the end wins or doesn't win that goal he's just successful by the act of trying for it yeah right so so i think if you start think of your life as a bit of a story and start thinking about what are the lofty unattainable goals you're setting for yourself mm-hmm. personally professionally and what are what are you kind of like giving to get those then you'll start to have a very interesting life and i think that makes for very interesting stories yeah uh, agreed uh, good advice i i, th- I think these sabbaticals uh, are definitely can play an important role in anyone's life and especially if they're doing it you know periodically as far as just doing one retreat and perhaps never doing uh, another one again when it comes to uh, regularity as very important to have a consistent that and and um got you an example of that as far as doing this retreat four times What would you say to the person cuz I I believe if I'm correct you still kind of play both sides as you're an author but a, uh, a high executive in a corporation? Yep, yeah. So you play yes. so you play both sides, okay. What would you say to the person, you know, who doesn't want to play both sides? You know, they just want to say, you know, cuz 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 I mean obviously cut on your fortune in that you, the three employers that you have worked with so far have definitely been okay with you. uh you know taking a sabbatical but cuz at the same time uh your work performance exceeds their expectations but sometimes it, to be realistic sometimes a person may do that in a, a corporation but they might not get noticed by their employer you know obviously cuz I, mean, i mean you have employers who notice that they reward you and they reciprocate but then you have other employers you know and where you have employees just like that and employers they don't notice them um yes so What would you so what would you say to that person you know let's say they've have a lot of those experiences and they say oh you know what I don't want to be employed anymore I just want out of my job uh and perhaps maybe that experience can um experience like sabbatical can actually give them enough confidence to get out what would you say to them would, would you would you would, do you think that sabbatical can possibly be the key that suppresses their fears and actually ignite more confidence agreed completely kalan i think you've put it very very well because i think what happens is that when people are in this in or out mentality mm-hmm. that i don't like this and i'm going to take a plunge and start my own business or whatever mm-hmm. many times i've seen that people are running away from something and not towards something mm-hmm. if you will mm-hmm. and i think as a result of that they make a lot of bad decisions mm-hmm. lose a lot of money and like end up doing kind of uh 
you know my my approach is more an in and out kind of an approach okay. you know which is uh like in that time that you're out almost don't set the pressure to for yourself to be very goal oriented mm-hmm. and wanting to accomplish a lot uh let figure it out like you know let the answer come by almost being a little goalless versus like jumping from one goal to another you know it's just uh, like i think this is the more smoother transition mm-hmm. yeah and, and and it's great too i mean uh you know, everyone is different some people they play both sides like you are uh, you're, you're a high executive in a in a uh, in a in a very prolific co- corporation as well as you're an author and then some people they're they'll just be a, a high executive and other people they'll just be uh self-employed they'll be an author they'll be a filmmaker whatever so uh, so, so so those are kind of three types of paths and you're, you're yeah. on a path where you play both which is great i just but uh, w- what you offer i feel like what you offer is actually good advice uh for people who definitely went out of that corporate nine to five they, they just really need something to propel them because obviously especially when a person has kids and a person has a lot of responsibility yeah. commitment it can be very overwhelming for that person going from certain something that's certain as far as getting that paycheck to just doing a sabbatical and they don't you know maybe doing multiple of sponsors and they don't know what's going to happen but uh personally yeah. for me i'm with you Karan. um i have had a lot of similar experiences uh, when it comes to uh, just kind of want to go off my own and try and just find something that uh, ignites me, and it's 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 kind of I always say in a principle is it's kind of embracing uncertainty. You know, really, really, yeah. there's nothing certain in life. A person can yeah. walk outside and get hit by a car, you know, or or yeah. a person can yeah. unfortunately, you know, they can have a flat tire. So we're, we're we're always living in a world of uncertainty, whether we realize it or not. It's just it's just it's just there's one type of person that becomes more comfortable with it, which it seems like you have, and a person like myself. And then there's other people who find it difficult to become um, comfortable with uncertainty. Right. Right. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. yeah. No. Well said. So. Let, let's talk about that journey a little bit as far as uh, your sabbatical because you, you're one year from uh, Europe to India, uh, uh, you know, uh, on a road learning yoga. I'm quite sure and, and perhaps and perhaps you, you can speak to that a little bit. But at the end, maybe you can speak to how it has made you a better person, because I think I think people you know always wonder, yeah, it looks fun. But what are the results I'm getting out of this? So maybe again, speak about your journey, and then at the end, what you took away from it, how it has made you better? Yeah, absolutely. So there are two, two like uh, so we planned the journey in kind of three three phases. The first part was Europe to India by road, mm-hmm. and that was four months in which I was trying to practice this idea of conscious goallessness, in which I was trying not to have any goals at all <laughs> because what I see with myself is that I'm very analytical and rigorous and goal oriented so i wanted to be almost much more intuitive and spontaneous mm-hmm. and to kind of develop that intuition and spontaneity i wanted to plan nothing at all so we landed uh, in scotland because it was very cheap flight like 50 dollars flight from U- uh, us to scotland there was a deal going on wow so that's we- very cheap <laughs> very cheap so we took a flight to scotland and after that we were like now what should we do and like we just kind of went out of the airport and made a decision based on whatever was happening. Like, you know, if we met someone who was going somewhere, we would, and we liked them, we would go with them. And we ended up spending three weeks in Bulgaria. And like the, the thing is that all these things are very cheap, right? Because if you are living in a hostel in Bulgaria, it does, it's like $10 a day, maybe $15 a day. Like it's not much, you know, compared to life where you are living. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then so four months was that then reached india four months we did yoga and meditation up in the mountains in the himalayas and the principle here was obviously learning meditation which we talked about a little but i was also kind of practicing this idea of willful poverty like you know of living with sleeping on the floor of an ashram for four months mm-hmm. taking a cold shower every day in the himalayas in the mountains living with nothing at all apart from a backpack and like the floor and the shower which was cold like there was nothing that was and like i wanted to kind of get this idea that look you need very little in life mm-hmm. right so you come back and you put all these constraints on yourself that i should do this and i should i need this and i need that and i like you know i'm like you know i need more security but maybe you don't need as much security as you think if you can live with a backpack and like a mount like in the mountains you mm-hmm. know like there's that's all you need so it was good to kind of like internalize that idea yeah. right and then four four months we uh, i wrote in a village in portugal a small village in portugal again very cheap 500 dollars for the whole month uh to like rent a place and i just wrote in a village and that was my writing so when when now to answer your question on what happens when you come back you come back much more intuitive and creative mm-hmm. right like because you have taken a lot of decisions based on intuition and creativity you come back very much less risk averse because you've experienced the worst of what could life be which was to live on a sh- in a sh- in a in a floor on a floor mm-hmm. and it was fine mm-hmm. you know like it was a very livable life with that and you come back much more silent you know too much of our world is noise like we are always lo- like noise is all around us even if we are not into material noise like houses or cars mm-hmm. we are into like emotional noise right like read this book and read that and like to learn this idea and learn that idea and this theory and that theory and we are always trying to become not just be yeah. so i you come back much more silent and you are like maybe there is enough depth in me as is that i that i don't need to constantly hunger for like wanting more stuff physically or emotionally good very good and coming from that uh, and, and some of the things that happened to you coming from that is you got your you got a first worldwide book deal as well yep. as you became a, a chief marketing officer of a crane top 50 startup within 12 months of returning uh, people you know people we're, we're here to talk about the book deal but talk about that you know because typically when it comes to a position like a chief marketing officer that can take over a decade for someone to get up that high you know yeah because usually you have to you have the chief executive officer chief operating officer chief marketing officer talk about how you was able to attain a uh, such a level so quickly yeah and it wasn't to be fair like it's not like 12 months before i didn't have a job and then i was chief marketing officer more like i've been on a trajectory if you will right mm-hmm. like so i worked with procter and gamble for four years when i came to the us so i've, I've been on a constant trajectory but anyway the broader point was that the sabbatical made me much more spontaneous and as a result i made better decisions at work mm-hmm. which led to a, a, a faster promotion mm-hmm. i see because you know for instance i was very uh, earlier like if you're almost too tight too goal driven that can hurt mm-hmm. because you're not making decisions from your gut and your heart mm-hmm. much and i think the sabbatical as a result i just made more spontaneous decisions you know ah i see i see i see and that was very helpful yeah very good Uh so as we come to a close we'll definitely have the link to the book up on the webpage but as we come to a close what would be some parting advice that you would uh, impart to the listeners as far as uh all what we talked about you know if if if, if usually I always say if you don't remember anything else remember this what would be that for the listeners if you can give us some imparting advice to them 
uh, try to strip your life of comfort every few months uh, in a very and that will make your heart bigger and you'll come closer to what matters so which which means that every few months mm. spend 10 days in as i said like either in an ashram or in a silent meditation retreat or in a in a hard situations like climbing a mountain like just get into the idea of living with very little for 10 mm. days willful willful poverty if you will so that you get connected with what truly makes for a happy successful life i think that's great advice uh uh karan and if people want to follow you how would they stay in touch with you karanbajaj.com k a r a n b a j a j.com is my website and uh, i blog very often there you can also get a free meditation course mm-hmm. there if you go to karanbajaj.com/about you can get a free meditation course and then uh, all the usual stuff twitter instagram etc just search for karan bajaj right and again we'll also we'll have the we'll have the link to the book uh, on the webpage as well we'll have a link to the responsana uh, retreat so if anyone's interested in that uh, they can definitely go ahead and check that out karan thank you for being our guest it was a pleasure thank you very much karan thank you for listening just another great episode by callan digs best-selling author and career strategist as seen at Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.